And we're live. Welcome back to another episode. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we're going to start ladies first because we are gentlemen here. Or I'm in. I don't know about Doc. She can be sometimes. I don't know. Uh, but Casey, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers? And I know I'm going to get hate mail. It's going to come from Doc this time. <laughs> uh, yeah, happy to. Um, so, hi, my name is Casey Ezel. Um, I am a science fiction and fantasy author and a retired Air Force helicopter pilot. And um, I am super excited to be here. Outstanding. And now you, Larry, you've done this before, but let's pretend. So can you yeah. introduce people who don't know who you are and they're like living under a rock and they just pop their head out? Hi, Gophers. Uh, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Larry Correa. I'm a novelist best known for the Monster Hunter International series, uh, Grim Noir Chronicles, uh, Son of the Black Sword uh, epic fantasy series, and some other stuff. And uh, I have done this anthology series with Casey of uh, noir sci-fi and fantasy and uh, we're the editors and just really glad to be here Outstanding. The next part of the introduction, dear listeners, how we first found them. So many of you know that, you know, us authors, we had lives before we started writing. Uh, once upon a time in my younger days, I worked the over-the-top circuit. I arm-wrestled my way through the best El Niado had to offer. I'm probably butchering your hometown, Larry. Trying to be funny, it didn't work for me. Uh, and then I saw him, like, wrestling virtual titans, and I'm like, nope, I'm out. Let me offer him a Diet Coke and retire. And I decided to try my hand at the Warden. Clearly not the joking, so comedy is not in my future. Dang, no. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounded funnier on paper, I swear. Oh, you made me laugh. <laughs> I there just you didn't go. get That's it. I, 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 didn't, I didn't get it because I didn't recognize the name of my hometown. It's El Nido. <laughs> El Nido. Uh, I was not even close. I'm not even in the same zip code. I got the L right. <laughs> So that's that's half of it, right? Yeah, we yeah. need to give you a pronunciation guide. Yeah, El Nido, California, or El Nido, depending on who you ask, and it's middle of nowhere, San Joaquin Valley. That's that's where I grew See, up. Now, now you know why my kid laughed when I told him I would help him with his Spanish because he's taking that this year. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, don't. <laughs> I was like, if that was an example, no, 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 yeah, no. Everybody spoke Spanish where I'm from. No, that's not. Uh, that's not. Yeah. So, no. so the good news is, is I took German in college and high school because anybody can speak German. You just have to sound angry enough and like you're about to spit on somebody, and you've pretty much nailed the pronunciation of German. I, you know, I'm half German, so I can say that. It's okay. <laughs> All right, Doc, save me from myself and ask the damn question. Um, I, I'm not even sure what template you think you're using anymore at this point. <laughs> but why don't we we did. I, I was so confused by JR trying to speak Spanish that I'm going, did we let them introduce themselves? They did. All right. So you got okay. the religion question. Thank you. The <laughs> so religion, Dune, Last Starfighter, or Enemy Mine? I go Dune. Good choice. Yeah, I go Dune too. Yeah, between this, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I like, I like actually Last Starfighter and Enemy Mine. I think they're both good, but... Uh, Dune, I love the book since I was a kid. I mean, it's it's a big, weird, amazing book. And the, the movie was actually pretty good. And I was actually playing it in a Dune role-playing game campaign last year. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, so I, I, that's that's for me. I don't know. Casey? Um, I would also say Dune just because of the sweep and scope of it. Um, 
And the uh, the most recent movie that's really like half of Dune um, is, uh, I thought that was breathtaking. I absolutely loved that movie. Um, but um, um, I, I actually, I really loved, I read Enemy Mine as a kid, which is kind of a weird thing to read as a kid, but there you have it. Um, and, uh, and I was really fascinated by that dynamic too, but it's just not as grand, I guess, as Dune was. No, I can see yeah. that. I would say Dune is definitely probably super epic and and, and we were challenged by uh, Kevin J. Anderson to do that as one of our next book reviews because mm. I have not read the original source material. So it's, that should be interesting. It's good, but it's also not what we're used to nowadays. Yeah. And so it just depends on how you tackle it. If you go in and you read it as like, this is a classic uh, epic work of sci-fi. Uh, if you go like, oh, I'm going to read this light, fun read that's, you know. <laughs> There's nothing like that. <laughs> nothing. No. Yeah. I, I I like it quite a bit, but it's definitely if you go at it with like a modern sci-fi uh, attitude, you're going to be let down. Yeah, it's very, oh, okay. a lot of head hopping, a lot of a lot okay. of omnip, omniscient narrator, which is really weird. Yeah, nowadays. and it's space opera, right? So you're getting you're getting you're not getting you're not digging into the science magic. It's just it's presented as science, but there's no explanation to it, right? So you're not. Yeah, it's missing yeah. those elements of hard science that we're really used to seeing typically in sci-fi. Sure. Yeah, that's it. It introduced a lot of tropes that we now take for granted in science fiction. Uh, mm -hmm. This was this is where they began. So I'm a fan. I mean, I yeah. really like it. But I also I also recognize I recognize what it is and uh, and try not to judge it, you know, by by other standards. But I like it. So I'm a fan. So. Because we're polytheistic, or at least I am, Willow, Legend, or Beast? Beastmaster. Hmm. You know, it's weird. As a fantasy author and a fantasy dork, I, I'm not really a big fan of any of them. I mean, I've watched them all. Okay. But, like, none of those, like, leap out at me as, like, a thing that... I guess I'm an atheist on this one. I'm going to go with Willow, but um, because... <laughs> I read it when I was like, like maybe 12 or 13. And then I saw the movie very shortly thereafter. Oh, did we lose? We lost Seska. It's okay. We can carry on without her if we have to. Okay. Um, but uh, I had, when I was, again, weird little kid, right? I had the biggest crush on the book character of Mad Mardigan. Um, oh, because okay. he was such a, like, bad boy badass <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> and so and uh um yeah if you've met my husband you know that that uh that that um inclination did not go anywhere <laughs> so, yeah. yeah her husband's a badass he's yeah, a cool yeah. guy he's a he bad is. he's a he's a tough guy yeah all right doc welcome back to the land of the living we lost you for a second all right it's this touch screen thing Sometimes my thick fingers hit the wrong button. Um, so we've covered science, we've covered fantasy, but um, which one was your first love? Between science fiction or fantasy? Yeah. Uh, fantasy for me when I started reading. I, I, actually, Westerns uh, <laughs> um, before, before anything, but then uh, fantasy because my first introduction to fantasy was sort of Shannara. Mm. So... 
Talk I'm going to guess it was Louis Lamore. Yep. Yep. I read every Louis Lamore book when I was a kid. Like almost all, every, everything I could find. Oh, I love him. And then uh, my Good mom stuff. brought me. Actually, it was Elfstones of Shannara was the first uh, fantasy book I read. My mom found it at a garage sale. <laughs> nice find. That's cool. It's a, it's a good one. Yeah. Casey, how about you? Um, so it's a trick question for me because my first love was Pern, which according to Anne is sci-fi, but according to everyone else is fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else. I don't know who this everyone else is because according to many of the people involved, it's still fan. It's still sci-fi. It just pulled in a lot of those fantasy. Yeah. Roles. It's, it's sci-fi masquerading as fantasy. That's how I describe it. So, um, so that's my trick question, but I read more fantasy as a kid than sci-fi um, because I was more, I was more into you know the the fantasy tropes, the magic, and I didn't really care that much about like the science, the hard science. So, yeah. okay, that's a that's a solid answer. And as usual, you were efficient, so you combined the next question. So I'm going to skip ahead to what is it about speculative fiction writ large, the umbrella that is so glorious that you know and love, uh, Casey? You get to go first this time. Um, for me, it's the possibilities, right? So I write what I want to read, um, and I want to read stories that explore what is possible and still kind of stay grounded in <clears throat> the human experience and um, and the human condition. And I think speculative fiction is in a unique um, is unique in that it allows us to to kind of you know really delve into into both of those aspects. Okay. What about you, Larry? Uh, I'm a sucker for storytelling. I mean, I'm a compulsive storyteller no matter what. And spec fic, I get to tell bigger, crazier stories. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the that's the thing. I, I, sky's the limit, so I'm a sucker for that. I love to read it, and I enjoy it. So uh, I, I'm just really thankful that I have a job where I can make money at it. <laughs> that is indeed glorious. So... Since you uh, you both been on here before uh, multiple times, we're, you know normally we would ask you how you got into writing, but we're instead going to refer you to those previous episodes. If you just go in the little search bar and you type their name on our uh, YouTube page or on our uh, Anchor.fm page, it will jump you to their multiple episodes. Uh, so instead, um, you mentioned Casey that you're retired from the U.S. Air Force, so we obviously ask all of our veterans this question: How do you feel like your time in uniform affects the way you tell stories? So a lot of a lot of the um, interactions that well, there there's obvious ways and there's less obvious ways, right? The most obvious way is that I write a lot of military science fiction and military inspired fantasy, um, and so um, I drew I draw heavily from my experiences as uh, as an Air Force helicopter pilot, particularly when I'm writing flight crews or some you know some amalgamation that that approximates a flight crew um that type of interaction is um is something that i think is is not necessarily unique but it's definitely very um uh, defined i guess and uh and i don't know that's not quite the right word but it's it's something that's noticeable and and so i i like to you know i like to draw from that because that's that was a large part of my experience um, as of my career. Um, but then the other, the other piece of it, the less, the more subtle piece is really, it comes down to, again, telling stories on that human, 
uh, on that human experience, human condition level. Because one thing that the military, and it, the military is not unique in this, but one thing that the military provided for me specifically was a much wider exposure to the world and to different people and different perspectives and different cultures. And all of that feeds into different ways of interacting. And so when I am writing about um, you know, emotionally charged uh, interactions between different characters. I'm pulling from things that um, you know that I either experienced or or witnessed um, while I was um, while I was in the military. A lot of times. So we asked you this question before. So you know, I thought about skipping it, but instead of the follow-on question would be this: Do you feel like that answer that you just gave? is different now that you're looking through the lens of I'm retired, it's it's in the rearview mirror, I'm not living it every day. Do you feel like that has the retirement aspect has changed how you look at the military and how you engage as writing it and, and re, uh, reading or watching? Well, I mean, I <laughs> my retirement was only effective six weeks ago, so I don't think so yet. <laughs> Ask me again in like a year or two. <laughs> but wait. Oh, you heard it. She's coming back for season 30. What's that? It does look like you've already changed your hair color. Oh yeah, yeah. I wasted no time. I'm, uh, I'm, I've gone blue. <laughs> I like it. And Larry, you heard she just volunteered to come back in season three, so we can ask her that question again. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're doing another anthology next year, so. <laughs> done, done, and done. Her. All right, Doc. Question fifteen. Okay. So normally we talk about the fandom stuff because you know that's near and dear to my heart, and I think your guys's as well. But. Um, Let's kind of, we're going to kind of skip that and let people go talk, listen to those individual episodes since I know time is of the essence. And I love you both. You're both talkers. <laughs> this is the pot calling the kettle black. But um, can you go ahead and give us the highlight reel for you, Casey? And then we're going to ask Larry. In terms of, of what, what you've written. Sorry. Um, so my, my completed solo series is the Psyche of War series. Um, it is, uh, it's a trilogy. Uh, so three books about, um, psychic women at war. Uh, the first one is set in World War II. And then I've got a Cold War spy thriller for book two and a, um, Vietnam story for book three. Um, so that's out and you can find that, uh, um, on Amazon in ebook and, uh, Audible, except for book three, I don't think is is complete yet in Audible. Um, and then um, in addition to that, I'm a core author in the Four Horsemen Universe uh, Science Fiction Shared World, uh, published by Chris Kennedy Publishing. Um, I also co-wrote The Romanov Rescue with um, Tom Kratman and Justin Watson with some help from Mona Lisa Foster. That's a, an alternate history um, out from Bain Books where we postulate what would happen if um, a rescue attempt um, to, to rescue the Romanov, the Imperial Romanov family during the Russian Revolution was at least partially successful. Um, and uh, things go way different <laughs> because of that. <laughs> um, also, there's airships involved, so that's kind of cool. Um, and uh, um, so I did that. Um, I'm involved in the Murphy's Lawless spinoff series from Chuck Gannon's uh, Kane Riordan universe as well. Uh, that's also uh, with Chris Kennedy Publishing and with Bain. And um, and I am co-wrote Gunpowder and Embers with John Ringo and Christopher L. Smith. And we're about to start working on the sequel in October. Um, and most importantly to the reason we're here, I co-edited Noir Fatale and No Game for Nights with uh, Larry Correa, so, who is has a wonderful visual for us. <laughs> 
since you talked about it, while Larry answers, I'm going to throw that up on the screen. Okay. So, Larry, <laughs> can you give us your highlight reel? Yeah. Um, uh, so, like I said, I'm best known for Monster Hunter International, which is a pretty large series. Now we've got a bunch of books and spinoffs and uh, anthologies. Uh, uh, the, the, I also do the Son of the Black Sword series. Uh, Saga of the Forgotten Warriors, the actual series name, and uh, I'm working on number four of that right now. Uh, that will be out in April. Uh, it's called Tower of Silence. Really excited about that. Uh, I've also done the uh, the Hard Magic series, uh, which is a kind of uh, no, um, that's noir. Actually, that's how I wound up doing this with Casey. Is I have a noir trilogy. It's alternate uh, history 1930s superheroes. That one's pretty cool. Um, and then I've, I've got some other miscellaneous stuff. I've also done the Dead Six series with Mike Coopery. I just recently did last year's Servant, or beginning of these years, year, Servants of War with Steve Diamond, which is a World War One dark fantasy trench warfare novel. Um, and then I got Gunrunner as a sci-fi with John Brown. I've also got over on Audible, I've got the Lost Planet Homicide, which is my Space Bosch series. And also, uh, The Adventures of Tom Stranger, Interdimensional Insurance Agent, which is my comedy series. Um, yeah, there's probably some other stuff in there, too. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've, I've written quite a few books, and uh, I, don't know, I, I thoroughly enjoy this stuff. And I'll keep doing it as long as everybody keeps buying them. I'll just keep making stuff. That's my plan. I'm never well, going to retire. I'm just going to get a Kickstarter for a miniature game. So I think you're going to be busy for a while. Yeah, we did actually did just a Monster Hunter International miniatures game, which is very exciting for me, is because I'm a I'm a mini painter and a nerd. You do a so. pretty good job. Uh, yeah, I'm actually a really good mini painter. I'm I'm probably a better mini painter than I am a novelist proportionately. Um. But you make more money. <laughs> I make more money as a novelist, which enables me to buy more minis. No, yeah, I, no, I love I love that stuff. I'm a, I'm a huge nerd. So hey, yeah, we just did that. Yeah, really I want to see you go out for a golden demon then. I don't paint. I don't paint Warhammer. I'm not a Warhammer guy. Um, I have actually won some painting contests, but they've just been local ones, like uh, you know, uh, well, not local, but like uh, small war game tournaments, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm an so, Infinity gamer, so I, I play Infinity. That's, I know, I know, game. I know. But still, Warhammer. So has Larry, you and your so let, hold on, Doc. Give me a second. Just funny story. <laughs> I went to our local game shop because my sons are interested in like the little miniature crack. Uh, and I said, oh, I can't paint. I got fat fingers. And they just looked at me and they goes, I happen to know Larry Korea is taller than you and bigger than you because they <laughs> like your books. And if he can do it, you've got no excuses. <laughs> Minis are so small in my hands. Like, I mean, it's just not even. Well, I was reading Monster Hunter on the, on the, I had a, the signed copy you gave me back at the last HonorCon. So, yeah, see? They were not big. So, All right, Doc, I'm sorry I interrupted. Go ahead. No, no. So we know this is an anthology, and the stories are not all set in the same universe. Correct. So but the theme that unites us is noir. So why noir? Uh, because I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> so so to answer... Did you kidnap Larry? What's that? You just kidnapped Larry? Kind of. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. So this, this story has to go back to, uh, the answer to that question has to go back to when we did the first anthology, which was Noir Fatale. Um, I, like I said, I'm obsessed with noir, right? It's, uh, I'm a huge Raymond Chandler fan. Um, I was reading a bunch of noir, watching a bunch of stories, or watching a bunch of movies, um, like uh, 
Mulholland Falls and LA Confidential and Chinatown. And I got it into my head to write a, um, a noir short story. And so I did. And I loved it. And I had no idea what to do with it. Um, and I was going to Liberty Con later that year. And I found out and I, I kind of was like, man, I wish Bain would put out a noir themed anthology that I could submit this story for. Um, and so that thought was sort of marinating in my head. And then when I I, you know, made plans to go to Liberty Con, found out that Larry was one of the guests at Liberty Con. Were you you might have been the guest of honor that year. I don't remember. Uh, I was something. I can't remember. Yeah. I, you you might have been GOH. Anyway, Larry, I found out Larry was going to be there. And so the idea bulb kind of clicked off and I was like, ooh, I could be sneaky about this. So I contacted Rich Groller, who is the the director of programming for Liberty Con, and I suggested a panel about science fiction and fantasy noir stories. And I, I had done the hard magic. Uh, right. Trilogy. And I suggested, yeah, I suggested Larry um, as a, as a panelist because of his hard magic trilogy, which I was a huge fan of and had also read during this time. And I volunteered to moderate it and I like got all dressed up for the role and, you know, wore back seam stockings and all that. I mean, everything shy of a birdcage veil. Right. Cause I just couldn't get one in time. And, um, and we moderate, you know, we did the panel and it was a great panel, lots of audience participation. People really liked it. And it just so happened that it was like a sign from the universe, right? Um, it just so happened that immediately after that panel, we were going to a um, an, an author dinner that, that Bain was putting on that year. So I cornered Larry and I was like, hey, how did you enjoy the panel? And he was like, oh yeah, it was great. You did a great job. And I was like, thanks. So I have this idea. <laughs> I said, uh, I have this idea where I do all the work and we put your name on it and we make a bunch of money. And he was like, okay, that was a good pitch. Tell me more. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's how we came up with with uh, Noir Fatale. And when we pitched it to Tony, she wanted us to narrow the scope just a little bit. So for that volume, we focused in on the archetype of the femme fatale character. Well, Noir Fatale did very well. Um, we were very happy with it. And um, because it did so well, and because it was such a fun experience, um, when we found out that it had done well, I approached Larry and said, hey, what do you think about giving the guys equal time and doing another anthology? And we can focus this one on the character archetype of the noir detective, the hard boiled, you know, gray knight sort of maybe a little bit anti-heroish detective character. Um, and Larry was like, sounds great. I'm in. Let's do it. So. Yep. And we have a third one. And uh, we have a third one. Yeah. Which of the, the theme on that one is going to be the city. Yes. Which is kind of like your trifecta of, uh, of noir elements there. And uh, I'm actually, I, I really enjoy these. I, I have had a lot of fun with this. And the thing is, we invited some really awesome authors. And yeah. They make your life easy. Like when you have really good authors, um, it, it just it just makes it really easy to put together a really awesome anthology. And uh, the first one, <coughs> the first one we had some... Some really cool people. We mixed it up a little bit in the second one. We brought some people back. We brought some new people. Um, and I actually, we, we, we are just barely now starting to get stories for the second or for the third one. For the third um, one, yeah. Yeah, so just barely started getting stories for the third one. And uh, I have actually not read any yet. <laughs> and so I'm eagerly awaiting that. And we're going to see how that shakes out. Yeah, so the way we do it typically, I I will read them first and and 
do my because I promised to do all the work, right? So, <laughs> so I have to read them first and 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 do my editing process first before I, I send them on to Larry for his final approval. Um, to be fair, I'm not totally lazy. I usually uh, she she does the like the the primary edit. I, I usually go through. One nice thing about having authors this good is my edits tend to be like really small. Yeah. Like you know, if this dude did this, that'd be cool. You know, yeah. or if this yeah. thing went here, that'd be some neat foreshadowing. I don't. It's like super easy for me, so I'm, I'm having a good time with it. Casey, Casey has to do all the paperwork. Is the really hard part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and to be fair, you know, Larry's exactly right, and um, I, I just realized we both said to be fair. That's funny. Um, clearly, we're both letter kidding. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, um, yeah, the the quality of the stories that we're getting from the caliber of authors that we've been, you know, we've been privileged to work with is is phenomenal. So when I say, oh yeah, I'll do all the work, like that's not a huge thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, it isn't a lot of work to put these together because we get such quality submissions from um you know, from the authors that we've invited. So the worst part honestly is probably wrangling the contracts and then mailing yes. checks. Yes. <laughs> Yes, that is the worst part. But I have people, all right. so it's all good. Minions are good. So before we dive any deeper and we start talking about the cover art, I am going to shamelessly shill for the man or the woman. We got no, uh, well, I guess it is the one this time, but we're going to air that commercial. In a world where magic is controlled by law and government, mages are both coddled and persecuted. Corey Monroe knows she isn't a mage, and her best friend is. Reality isn't always what you know. If you are looking for an urban fantasy with found family, an education-based magic system, and evolving storylines, try My Luck by Mel Todd, book one in the Twisted Luck series, available exclusively on Amazon. All right, so this is the part where we talk shamelessly about this cover, and it is glorious, the artwork. So how did you come up with this cover? Do, do you guys get any say? Does Spain just say, here's the cover, deal with it? How does that work? So uh, both of these covers, I think, were were revealed to us at, at conventions, weren't they, yep. Larry? Yeah. yeah. So I know I know Noir Fatal was uh, uh, Tony Weisskopf unveiled it at uh, a LibertyCon and um, caught me squealing like a little girl and jumping up and down in front of like a whole bunch of people because I wasn't expecting to see it. <laughs> um, and uh, and then this one. Um, I don't remember what con she unveiled it at, but yeah, we, this, this is all Bane and their, and their incredible staff over there that, that puts these. I love the detail of the Bane logo being on the shield. I know. The shield yeah. is cool. The shield is great. Cool. We've had a lot of requests for the shield <laughs> for people to make that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But it is, yeah, it's, no, this it, is... like, it so perfectly captures, uh, you know, the, the theme of this, right? So here's a dude, you know, standing in a, a science fiction sort of cyberpunky noir uh environment with like the rain pelting down on you know a la rick deckard in uh in uh blade runner and and he's dressed like a knight but he's got a blaster like it's it's all the elements and i i absolutely love it absolutely love it okay speaking of uh casey likes seeing anachronistic i mean that was totally modeled after me honest <laughs> the six pack, yeah, knowing your yeah, totally right. Anyway, cross so, doing his CrossFit. That's right, right. right. Run, running from all the hate mail, Doc sends me. Uh, yeah. So, Casey, you obviously have a story in this collection. So, what was your story called? 
so yeah, um, uh, so I wrote co-wrote my story with Griffin Barber, um, and it was oh I forgot to mention this when I was talking about my highlights. Griffin Barber and I wrote a book called Second Chance Angel, um, which was a science fiction noir uh, mystery that. Uh, we both really liked. Um, and so the story that we wrote, we wanted to play in that world a little bit more. So the story that we wrote for No Game for Nights is um, actually a prequel to our novel um, where we introduce the character and one of the pivotal relationships that ends up being um, a, like a key part of the novel later on. So it's called uh, Faint Hearts is the name of the story. All right, so obviously we don't want to give any spoilers because we want them to buy the collection and read the short stories. And you know we shell for short stories all the time here, dear listener. But what was uh, what's like? What can you give us as a synopsis of your story without giving away any spoilers? Um, a down it- on his luck veteran turned bouncer gets sucked into the seedy underbelly of a of a station when one of his club's um, VIP patrons goes missing. Okay. So did you lean into any specific trope when you wrote this? Obviously short content. I'm assuming it's probably sub 10K words. Um, So you didn't have room for a whole lot of playing, but did you lean on any of the noir tropes? And if so, which one? Absolutely. As many of them as I could, right? So uh, down on his luck hero, truth seeking, you know, he's got to find something or someone. Uh, He's a a veteran. He's got scars from his war. Um, He's got a somewhat good, somewhat bad relationship with the authorities. Um, also a somewhat good, somewhat bad relationship with organized crime. Um, and, uh, and then just the mood, the setting, the, uh, the darkness of, you know, both the language and the environment and the actions that, that are taken. Um, and there's a, there's a good bit of, uh, of hardcore violence going on as well. So it sounds like, aside from the noir in the sci-fi, that this would potentially be a, an action-adventure story as well, then? A little bit, yeah. There's a little bit of that. Did you throw any other of the subgenres? I know Doc's not a huge fan of the subgenre question, but I dig it, so so we still ask it. <laughs> That's why we make him ask it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. All right, so... I know it's a short story, so you haven't tortured him but so much yet, but you do have the novel that this is based on still out. So if this character knew who you were and that you were the, the gods of the world in which he had he lives and that all the things you've done to him to make his life miserable, how do you see that playing out if he meets you in a dark alley? Um, he, so the answer is different between me and Griffin. Griffin, he'd probably beat the shit out of him because Griffin's a man. Um, he's... Uh, uh, Muck would not beat the shit out of me because he's got that little bit of old school chivalry, but uh, he might say some nasty things or two. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm not going to steal the show too much. I, I do like to let Doc talk sometimes. Yeah, whatever. I believe you. <laughs> okay. So Larry, how about your story? Uh, I actually did a story set in the Monster Hunter universe. Um, you know, so the fir- fir- first book I did a... a um, a story set in the hard magic universe. So I wanted to like bounce it around a little bit. So did Monster Hunter, but this time, because of the whole noir vibe, I wanted to move it back in time a little bit. So I set it in Los Angeles in 1949. So it was a time period that I've not really done anything with in the Monster Hunter universe. And you don't even really realize it is Monster Hunter universe connected until you get towards the end of it. No spoilers, but uh, basically it's, it is a detective story, like, you know, fit in the theme. Only this time the story is narrated by the femme fatale character, who's the client who is not human. Uh, okay. 
yeah so she so basically a monster hires a detective um <laughs> and so I, you guys it's so good larry's yeah. amazing <laughs> this is why I I, this is one i can't give a whole lot of information about okay, because it so is don't yeah. give us a spoiler but we do need the most important piece of information about your story the title is oh uh allegation of an honorable man there you go. Great title, right? It's so it noir. is, and I think honestly, it is. It's a very ominous title, particularly yeah. in a noir book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, 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 I, that, that one I had a lot of fun with. Um, that was a very um, that was a very fun story because I do love what doing noir, but I've done like in other universes. So I had not specifically done one in MHI, uh, oh. and so that was kind of fun to do that little bit of a crossover. And uh, I, I hope you guys enjoy it. I, I really had fun with that one. Third I one, I, I mean, oh. I keep bouncing between series. So the third one, I'm going to have to do like a different universe. And uh, I just keep Tom Stranger with a noir theme would be really Tom weird. Stranger. <laughs> that would be amazing. The, the city be, be epic. The city be like Chico. <laughs> it would be very. I epic. mean. That would be reason enough to buy the whole collection. Well, and you know what? Humor is not unheard of in these, you know, even noir. Um, we've got two stories in No Game for Nights that are, they are very, very noir, very dark, very, very funny, very funny. So um, Laurel K. Hamilton's uh, story, um, uh, gosh, uh, I'm blanking on the name of it. Her story it could is, be, it could be a cartoon. Like it literally, is not what... It, it is not what people expect from a You're picturing a cartoon. It's amazing. Um, and then uh, Scott Hudson. It's, uh, it's called Sammy Oakley and the Jewel of Amareki. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, and then uh, Scott Hudgens has a story called uh, The Hounds of the Bastards Villa, where the protagonist is essentially like the Dark Lord Sauron's veterinarian. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> so, yeah, it, but, but both of them, again, very noir, very dark, fit the theme perfectly. Um, so it was that was one of the real joys of putting together this collection was mixing and matching the tones of all the different stories because we have other stories that are in here that you're just like, holy shit, like I need to take a shower. I feel so like, you know, I that was dark. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. Noir can do that. Um, so Larry. How about your character? If your main character met you in a dark alley, how would you fare? That's not really fair to ask Larry that question. Why not? I mean, because we've established he's I a mean, giant. Already like, said it was female. She could try and seduce him. That's an awesome. Oh, if, if, it, if it was the if it was the client, oh, she'd probably eat me. Like, <laughs> yeah, like straight up. I mean, I I wouldn't even have a chance. This, yeah, okay. no, I wouldn't even have a chance. The detective character, he's an honorable dude. He'd be fine. He'd probably ask me where certain missing persons were that he's looking for. Uh, client would eat me. Yeah. <laughs> that isn't a ringing endorsement if I've ever heard one. <laughs> so, and, and if he tried to, if they tried to seduce him, Doc, that's not really fair because I've met his wife. She'd just murder him first. It wouldn't be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say they would succeed, okay? Oh, this is fair. You did not. I, I sort of implied it, because so we, we'll I, move right along. Bridget and Larry are like, when you think of couples that you see in convention circuits, they're definitely one of those like rock solid. You go, I want that because that is solid. And um, 
Oh yeah, my oh. wife is way more. My wife is way more popular in fandom than I am. I mean, everybody knows my wife. <laughs> That's okay. Your wife's really nice. She's awesome. Oh, she's awesome. She gives. Oh, she's awesome. She gives great gardening advice too. I know that sounds really sad, but you know, I got my own garden going on, so it works. <laughs> so she's pretty, she's pretty into that. So far, I've just killed a lot of things in the garden, people. Uh, so what other stories, have you, are there any hidden gems that you haven't mentioned yet? Because I know there, there's a pretty sizable list for this collection. It is not a tiny anthology. So the uh, no. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Casey. Oh, okay. Uh, so the, the first, the very first story in the, in the collection uh, that we, we, Larry and I loved it both, both of us loved it so much that he was like, Hey, we need to do this one first. And I, and I emailed him back going, I was just going to suggest that um, it's uh it's called 1957 by Robert Butner by Bob Butner. Um, and it's so good. It's amazing. You guys, it's, it is an it is an alternate history um, set in a world where the United States never entered World War II, and oh. um, and it's called 1957 because that's the year that it happens in. Um, and the protagonist is an American expat living in uh, Nazi or Nazi controlled, I guess, because the war is over, Paris. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's breathtaking. It's really really good. Um, he is I, so talented. Yeah, he really is. He really is. So, um, so yeah, that one was one of my favorites. Um, another one of my favorites is uh, is by uh, Sharon Shin, who I'm a shameless fangirl of to begin with, and uh, she wrote a story about a werewolf shifter, um, or not werewolf, but a um, like a, a canine shifter, right? So, um, and uh, again, very very cool story, very murky, um, but uh, yeah, loved him. So, uh, or. Are all of the other uh, stories in this ties into other existing universe, or is, was that the norm or an exception? Uh, some are tied into other universes. Um, some are some are standalone. I believe most of the authors tie into their other universes. Like for example, Michael Haspel has one that ties into his um, Mummy Detective. That's <laughs> just really good. Um, let's see, who else do we have? Casey have his series. Dave Butler. Uh, ties into his Indrajit and Fix yeah. um, universe uh, fantasy series for Bayon. Uh, but others are standalone. Like, uh, I see, so Sammy Oakley from Laurel K. Hamilton is a new thing that she's actually doing these short stories to explore uh, future novels, cool. which is actually pretty awesome that me and Casey get to facilitate that. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, for, sure. um, for sure. Others are, others are standalone, like Seth, Seth Bailey. Uh, S.A. Bailey normally does like um, very noir, tough guy action novels, uh, but for this he did sci-fi. It was like his first foray, I believe, published in sci-fi. Yeah, and it, that's probably the darkest story in the book, but also one of the best. Yeah, um, it's it's so good. Like it's like, dang man. Yeah. <laughs> I my only edit, I had like one edit suggested on that one, and it was just something that was like really super bleak, but like tweaked it. And it's yeah. still super bleak, but also there was just an element of like honor to yeah. it yeah. For, for the whole noir night thing. But dang that story. Oh my gosh. That's a gut punch. <laughs> it is a gut punch. It is. Uh, his story is called... Um, I have to keep grabbing. There's too many. Yeah. I have to keep grabbing the title. Oh, no. um, another, another one that's a tie-in is uh, Chris Kennedy's story. Um, it's not a tie-in to an existing novel universe, but he has other short stories about that that main character uh or not the main character but the femme fatale character 
Um, so that one was another tie-in. Craig's Craig Martell's, I think, was a standalone. So, um, so yeah, we had a mix, really. So, uh, okay. Seth's story is called Pagan. Pagan. And, okay. uh, let's see. Uh, Chris Kennedy's is called Midnight Ride. Yep. So, and then Craig Martell's is Utopia Sleep, which is actually a super good title once you read the story. Yeah. Uh, that's a good story. That's, that a good story. I, I, I like it. Not, that one was, the, oh, best title, though. Actually, I think of all like the really cool titles, one I really loved was Gutter Ballet. Oh, Chris Oh, Rock. I like that. Yeah. His ties in with his Sullen Empire series, too. Yep. So that's one that does tie in another bigger series. And, oh, my gosh, Rockio, that dude, man, he so is – um, that dude is a wordsmith. Like he yeah. is so ridiculously talented at, at evocative, like like just the most evocative lines ever. Yeah, man. Like I'm jealous of his wordsmithing talent. That dude is remarkable. Yeah, he's super good. And he's super friendly. So that nice helps. guy. Yeah, super great guy. So, how would you say the mix of these stories are on sci-fi versus fantasy? Is it more sci-fi? Is it more fantasy? It's actually pretty even. Are we okay. I, I at one point I graphed it out, and because we also to, to even it out, we have some that were alternate history. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, I like kind of I kind of like marked it out to see what was what genres everything was, and we also had and I split it into also urban fantasy because definitely like Sharon Shins was definitely urban fantasy. Right. Uh, and Bob Butner's was alternate history. And so it was actually pretty diverse. And then I also did it for light and dark, like, 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 or as far as like, not light and dark, because they're all noir stories, but like gut punches versus a little more easy going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we just kind of, we kind of graph this stuff out when you're putting the stories in order. We, um, yeah, I would say we're pretty evenly split because, like I said, like Haspel's is urban fantasy, um, Craig Martell's is sci-fi, Rockio's is sci-fi, Casey's and Griffith's sci-fi, yeah. uh, mine is urban fantasy. Nicole's um, is Nicole's is sci-fi. Nicole Gibbons Kurtz, um, yep. her story, um, a family matter, is uh, also again super super good. Um, yeah, I think that's. I think that's I know I'm. I know I'm like repeating myself. I feel like I broke a broken record, but we didn't have a dud in the bunch, which um, I I feel like every editor should feel that way about their anthologies. But I'm not sure every editor gets to feel that way about their anthologies, and so I I feel like Larry and I are very very lucky. <laughs> right, Rob, we didn't mention Rob Howells. Rob Howells' uh, incomparable treasure is a fantasy. Is fantasy. Yeah. And it's oh, actually. I would love, I mean, that one was like, that was like pretty hardcore, kind of like cool. The vibe on that one is very, I, I like that a lot. It, was very, it very, reminded me kind of of The Witcher. Yeah. <laughs> vibe. Oh. Not yeah, that it was like that, it. it's not that magical at all, but it definitely that is that kind of world. Yeah. It's that kind of dark, gritty fantasy world. And that's so, a tie-in too um, to his other works. Sorry, this guy, I keep talking over you. Well, that's okay because there's always a there's a bit of a delay, and that that becomes part of the challenge with doing these over the internet. Um, but you kept mentioning gut punch, so I want to ask a very important question for our readers: uh, How what would you say is the age range for this? Because like Larry's Monster Hunter, I mean that that gets graphic, but not too graphic, so it is a YA adjacent series. But noir 
tends yeah, to be this is like dark, upper like 18 in my mind a lot of times. Let me let me but, put it this way. If you're going to give it to your high school kid, this better be a high school kid who you're comfortable with them watching like, you know, the original Blade Runner and, you know, violent action adventure movies and you 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 know that they've got the maturity level to be able to to put those things in their proper context and in their proper place as these are stories. This is not how we live our real life. <laughs> yeah. I would say, I would say definitely. I, 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 if your kid is a reader, like and they're already reading all sorts of novels and they're very broad exposure to R, you know, R rated material, they'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but we, we didn't really set out to write this for younger people. We, it's definitely grownups. Yeah. But then you, again, you know, I, the audience is adults. I think we were talking about Dune earlier. I read Dune for the first time when I was eight, uh, and That's my mom hefty reading for an eight-year-old. It was well, and my mom didn't believe me, and so she thought I was full of crap because I read a book that thick. And so she actually read the book uh, and then quizzed, and she didn't get most of it, but she quizzed me on it while we were out working on the farm. And she's like, "Who is this? And who is this? And what's that?" I was like, "Well, mom, they have to do the space drugs." So they can travel through you know, time and space with the big navigator thingies. And she's like, what the crap? Okay, he read it. Um, that is yeah, awesome. No, so I wouldn't say, I wouldn't, I would definitely, I'd say it depends. I hate when, I hate when moms ask that question to me of like my books. Mm. Can my son read this? I was like, lady, I don't know your kid. Yeah. No, no, no. I totally get that. Because uh, I was a bookseller and I'd have people go and I'm like, look, I don't know. I'm not the parent. I always suggest checking it out first. And then they'll be like, well, what age did you read this at? And then I'll tell them. But You're like 10? <laughs> no, I actually never read 10 because I wasn't a reader at 10. Yeah. So, so speaking of... I didn't have to worry about that until I was in sixth grade. So speaking of readers, some people read with their ears these days because life's are busy. Is this coming out as an um, audiobook? We believe so. I think so. Um, but I, cause like, like on anthologies, they're not as speedy. Um, so a lot of times, like when my novels will have release, uh, we try to coordinate and get the releases as close together as possible, depending on production delays and whatnot. I actually don't know the date of this one yet. So I, I I'm actually not sure. Okay. And, and last question, go ahead. Oh no. I was like, cause Bayon sells audio rights, uh, to audible usually is who buys most of this stuff. And those usually get sold in clumps. Yeah. So okay. I'm actually not sure. I will say that the first anthology, Noir Fatale, came out in audio, and it was fantastic. I didn't, you know, the the narration that we, um, they, there were several narrators involved in the project, which is one of the reasons why, as Larry said, they take a little longer. Um, but oh my gosh, the the quality of the talent that that. I mean, I listened, I knew every story almost by heart because I'd edited them all, right? But I, I went through and I listened to every story from beginning to end. And it was like a whole new experience of, you know, these amazing stories again. So so before before we wrap this up, uh, you mentioned that there's a third anthology in this noir series coming out. So do you have any uh, hints about that or you got to keep that close to the chest? Uh, just what Larry already said. It's themed around the city as a... Um, not necessarily as a character, but as an integral part of the story, because, um, you know, if you think about some of the famous noir stories, they could really only have taken place in, in the city, in the place where they were, you know, like, uh, um, you know, Mulholland Falls had to be in LA. 
Um, you know, Raymond Chandler's books all took place in California. Um, Casablanca happened in Casablanca. You know, like there was they, the story wouldn't be the same without that particular setting and that gritty under under layer of society there. So um, so it's a little bit it's a little bit I think it's a little bit more challenging of a theme to you know, for the authors to work with, but we've started to get some stories in and uh, I'm very excited about all of them. Um, and yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of, it's going to be really overall a, a really phenomenal trilogy of anthologies. And, uh, and uh, again, I'm just, I'm so privileged and, and pleased to have been able to, to work on them. I, so I have, oh, I was going to say, I have a perk. Uh, one of the perks of, of being the editor, uh, being one of the editors, is that I write my story last, and I've done that each time, and I do that for one reason. I will. It's a perk for me to make sure that I don't write about the same thing that somebody else wrote about, and also I can kind of see like what we have the gap on. Yeah. Um, like so, if we if we are lopsided in one direction of fantasy, sci-fi, or whatever i will i will go I, I have enough universes that i can go to you know whatever and uh and, and pick a genre and uh and so I, I haven't written my story yet so i, I can't tell you anything about it <laughs> i can tell you mine is sci-fi that's it so normally we would ask you if there's anything we didn't ask, but since it's an anthology, there's not a lot of room for you to cover without spoilers. So instead, I'll ask you this. For your third anthology, and obviously this is just wild um, dreaming, but if you could get any author to write for the third one, uh, living or dead, I mean, it doesn't matter, just any dream author for, for this noir collection, who would you get in this collection? Raymond Chandler. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of the no-brainer for the noir That's I'm with I'm with Casey on that one. That's yeah. If okay. we can get anybody a living group, we try living. We tried to get Tim Powers, but Tim was booked up. He's busy. Yeah, um, and I was like, super bunk. I love Tim stuff. He's a that it's amazing. Oh yeah, living. Um, you know, if I don't know if he's ever tried to do sci-fi or fantasy, but um, if you ever heard of a guy named Max Allen Collins, he's like this huge mystery writer and uh, um, won a bunch of awards. He was the guy who wrote uh, Road to Perdition that they made that movie with Tom Hanks out of. Um, he, he wrote, so it was a graphic novel. He wrote the graphic novel. Um, he writes this incredible noir series where the detective Nate Heller solves um, actual historical unsolved cases. Um, and it's so good. I'm like, I'm in the middle of reading it right now, but uh, it's very much in the style of Raymond Chandler. So. Obviously, if I can't get Raymond Chandler because he's dead, I'll take Max Allen Collins. He'd be good, too. <laughs> that works. All right. So this is the part, dear listener, where we remind you that writing and reading is a two-way street. So if you want them to write more, you have to review more so that way they can sell more copies. So please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. They help the right readers find the right books. So do your part, people. Uh, and so last question, because some people I've heard actually buy their books directly from Bain's website and not some of the other places that shall not be named. So if they buy it directly from Bain, can they review it there or do they have to hop onto other platforms? That's a good question. I don't know if you can review it on Bain. I actually do not know. The, uh, All right, we'll put a pin in that one, and we'll come back to it because I happen to know we have Tony booked for a future podcast. On Bane, and I just review it on Goodreads. That yeah, that's works. always an option. Reviewing it on Goodreads. Yeah. Well, so. there you yeah, go. Main thing is just tell your friends, guys. You like a book? Yeah. Just 
word of mouth is the single most powerful thing in, in, in books. That's really what it comes down to is telling your friends. And I heard you guys are a little different. You sell more than 12 copies. So that's good. We try to. <laughs> too soon? Too soon? Uh, All right. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, I, that's, that's not, that hasn't really been an issue. <laughs> so, so Casey, uh, obviously, you know, you're, uh, you're done with the Air Force, so you're writing a lot, hopefully, because I like your stuff. But if someone wanted to hunt you down on the interwebs to, to find more about what you're doing, can you, t can you point them in the right direction? And as usual, it will be in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. So the best place to find me is on my website, which is uh, www.kcezel.net or .com. Uh, I own them both because I believe in redundancy um, and also because I believe in redundancy. And uh, you can also uh, <laughs> find me on Amazon. Um, most of my most, if not all of my books are available on Amazon. Um, and um, and I have a YouTube channel uh, about my life as a writer. It's called Creatively Enough, Casey Ezel Writer Life. Um, so you can find me there. Um, usually I do live streams every Friday, but um, I've kind of fallen off the wagon with that with, you know, moving across the world and dyeing my hair blue and starting a new job. So <laughs> be patient with me. I'll be back to those soon. <laughs> so, you know, when you talked about uh, moving across the world, I was about to say that's no excuse, but then you mentioned hair dye and I've seen how long that stuff takes to sell. Yeah. So that one you get a pass. So uh, Larry doesn't have that problem like me. He's, he's shaved it all off. So it, it makes his job oh, simpler. I didn't, I didn't shave it. It's just gone. <laughs> I, I was trying to be kind, sir. But uh, speaking of being kind, if someone wanted to track you down on the internet, how could they do that? And as usual, we will link it below, dear listener. Sure. Uh, my blog is monsterhunternation.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook and Twitter, just Larry Korea. And I'm um, on Instagram as like Larry Korea author because Larry Korea was already taken. Um, I, uh, I have a podcast also. It's called Writer Dojo. It's me and Steve Diamond. It's a weekly writing Very podcast. Good. Uh, and we have like a, we actually have a, a writers group on Facebook, which is kind of blown up really huge. Uh, it's just a room for writers without like a lot of political crap, and so it's that's turned out to be remarkably popular. And that's just so that's Writer Dojo, and uh, yeah, so that's where you can find me. Outstanding, and you can find us, dear listener. Over on the Twitters at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. Again, blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. This time, if you want to send the hate mail, do not direct it at me. Siska wants to hear it. So, Siska at blastersandblades.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook where all the shenanigans happen at facebook.com backslash groups backslash a blasters and blades podcast. Again, backslash groups backslash a blasters and blades podcast. Uh, you can find us on our website uh, where you could support us for as little as 99 cents a month um, at anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters tack and tack blades. Or you could support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. Be sure to put in the comment section that is for the podcast. And I will keep Doc Seska and Nick Garber duly drowning in books. They will read until their eyeballs explode. <laughs> That's a new one. You don't even know what to say, Doc. Uh, it, it's very accurate. I will read until my eyeballs explode. And... So, but thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For Nick Garber and JR, I'm Seska. This was the Blasters and Blaze podcast. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, enjoying our love of all things torturing JR, nerd culture, cheesy jokes, things that go boom, and of course, pineapple on pizza. 
Heresy, I say. 